Blog Talk Radio. I never thought I'd get to catch a spell in Hogsmeade. I never knew what 120 miles per hour felt like until Fast and Furious Supercharged. I never thought coming face to face with a hungry T-Rex would make my dad scream so loud. And I have never felt more scared or alive. Buy your ticket online and save up to $25. Visit UniversalStudiosHollywood.com. Valid online on one-day general admission for select dates from May 24, 2018. California residents only. Restrictions apply. Love Talk Radio. Good morning, heartache. Thought we said goodbye last night. I turned in house till it seemed you had gone. But here you are with a dog. Wish I forget you, but you're here to stay. It seems I met you. When my love is gone away, try to stay up and saying to you, good morning, heartache, what's new? Stop haunting me now. Can't chase you. Good morning, honey. You're the one who knew me well. Might as well get into it and get around. Good morning, honey. Sit down.
So I kind of felt like sending that one out there to the universe. I like the mellow sound. Welcome to I Am Indy. It's your host, Lamont K. Diddy Pass. Thank you for joining us. We appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to us because we know you could be somewhere else doing something else. Yeah, how about that? Hope everybody's week is doing well, going well, and you're doing things that you love to do. We have a great show lined up for you. Uh, I guess today is Mr. Uh, Douglas Coleman. Let me see if uh, Douglas is in the building. Douglas, are you in the building? Hello. Hello, it's Mr. Coleman. Hello. Hi, Lamont. How are you? I'm fantastic. Is this Douglas? This is Douglas. Ah, man, you're so low-key and quiet today, man. (laughs) You okay? (laughs) Yeah, I'm doing fine. Can you hear me all right? I hear you fine, sir. I hear you fine. The world can hear you fine, man. Thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Oh, man, I know it's been kind of hectic getting here, man, between your schedule and my schedule, but we finally made it happen, sir. I appreciate your patience. Yeah, no problem. Glad to talk to you. Yeah, so, Douglas, Douglas, let's let's begin, you know, let's begin by telling the world who Douglas Coleman is. I know myself, I know you're an entrepreneur, musician, and all that good stuff, but I'd like to hear you tell everybody. Okay. Well, basically that's it. I'm a uh, musician. also host a radio show called The Douglas Coleman Show. And I started out being a musician a long time ago and then kind of took a detour in my life. Went and worked in corporate America for 20 years. And now have come back to my creative endeavors, which I'm happy I got to be to come back to it, you know, better late than never. And now just kind of plowing through all of the new, you know, the whole music scene changed so much from the 80s to now. And it was really just a learning experience to learn the whole thing over again. Uh, So I'm just going through like a little kid, (laughs) just trying to learn everything I can again, you know. I definitely can relate because I had somewhat of a similar experience because I was always torn between um, uh, the business side and being an entertainer and the musician side. And I had to ride that fence for for many, many years. And, uh, you know, you're torn, (laughs) you know, you're torn. So, and then, like you said, the industry didn't change so much from the 70s and the 80s because at one point, you know, we had record stores on every corner. And um, we didn't have, you know, the Internet. You know, we didn't have the Internet, you know, and it it took you a week almost to send an album to, to China. You know, so the industry has definitely, definitely changed so much over there. Over the years, so what did you do to to help you um, ride that 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 learning curve? Well, it was just kind of like starting over again. Um, on the one hand, I liked the idea that you could put all this stuff together at home, and you could distribute everything, 
online. Um, that's the great part. <clears throat> you know, the bad part well, is that because there's so much of it out know. there, people don't seem to be willing to want to pay for music anymore. Like you had mentioned, okay, there was then. a record store on every corner back in the day. And if you wanted to hear music from your favorite artist, you went down and bought their album. You know, musicians could make a good living selling their, their recordings. And now, you know, people are just giving them away on the in the hopes of somebody hearing. You know, there's a very few people that are making a lot of money selling their music. Most of the mu- most of the money is being made by touring and you know T-shirt sales and <laughs> things like that. The whole, the merchandising, um, merchandising, right? So I mean that whole thing has changed. Um, it's just been a big learning experience for me to try to figure out well what do you do because I don't really tour. Um, I feel like I'm kind of too old for that. So the music that I write and I put out, you know, I'm hoping that <clears throat> at best I can get maybe a sync license deal, um, you know, get the, get the song played in a movie or TV show or something like that. Um, but it's it's a funny situation because you can get to a point and this is where I think that the major labels still have some power. You know, they've talked about that they've lost so much ground because now the playing field's sort of been leveled because of technology. While that's true, you know, if I put a video out, maybe it'll get a couple thousand views if I'm lucky. If Katy Perry puts a video out, she gets 1.8 billion views. So why, you know, even though we're on the same platform, so how come she gets so much more? Well, I think that the major labels have the distribution and the advertising power that the indies don't have. You know, they well, can they put the do- their... They have the uh, dollars. They have the and dollars. The dollars. Right. They can put their artists on the front page of iTunes and the front page of YouTube and, you know those sort of coveted spots so that everybody can see it. So, I don't know. I'm still learning. I don't know everything. I don't hardly know anything. <laughs> I'm just kind of well, plowing through. Well, well, actually, that that's really a good thing because I know a lot of artists that were making music in the 70s, they're, they're not computer literate at all, and they find themselves at a disadvantage because they totally... At, at somebody else's um, uh, whims because they don't really understand the importance of social networking. They really don't understand the different way to market and, and promote their material. And I guess that's one thing with the advent of the, uh, the Internet, you know, you are, and that does level the playing field as far as an indie artist versus a major to some extent. But that, but at at the end of the day, um, you still have to have some some dollars and some type of budget in place. Well, that's very true. Um, you know, advertising can be expensive depending on who you go with. 
And everything is kind of up front now. That's the other thing I've learned. Before, <laughs> before you could get people to work on commission, you know, distrib- distributors would take a cut for every record you know, they sold. You know, you know why that you know why that is, right? Well, because nobody's buying music. I think they're not getting well, the any other- money. The other part of that is, you know, even like with radio, is the reason they get all their money up front because usually if they blow artists up, they never get no money on the back end. Oh, well, that's, that could be true, too, yeah. <laughs> you um, know, so give me mine now and I'll work for you, maybe. <laughs> but if you don't give it to me now, I'm not going to play your stuff. And they don't they don't never break it down like that. Now maybe I shouldn't say that, but at the end of the day, if you're not spending promotional advertising dollars with your, your with a station, do your music get played? Really? Good. Yeah, probably not. I mean I've seen some I've seen some ads for, you know, we'll play your your song on all these different FM stations, blah blah blah. And they're charging thousands of dollars for that. You know, right. and they'll send you a report. And, uh, <laughs> great, you know, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the whole that whole thing is. And well, back in the day, we used to, we used to know you know a few key radio promoters across the country that really had relationships with a lot of the um, radio stations across the country, and we would actually have to depend on them, you know, um, to get our ads across the country. But like you said, things have changed so many different ways, and there are so many companies that are offering to perform those services for you, you know, but then having to weed through the plethora of companies is promising you all these wonderful things to get to one or two people that's actually legit. That's where you spend the fortune. Yeah, by the time exactly. you get, by the time you get to the real people, you don't have no money left. <laughs> <laughs> there are some rip-off artists out there, absolutely for sure, and it's, it's hard to tell them from the the good guys. And, you know, they get a nice glossy website and. Everything looks good, but uh, I've fallen into one of those. I won't mention the name. Maybe I should. But, you know, <laughs> yeah. you might save somebody else some heartache. I don't even know if they're still in business anymore. But they, this was like real early on when I first got back into this whole thing, and you know, they were one of the first ones that sent me an email saying, "Hey." We'll promote your music. We'll put your stuff out to all these different people who are looking for music. Blah 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 blah. You know. So I sent them my money and nothing. I didn't hear from them. I didn't get an email. And when I tried to email them back, they said, "Oh, well, you know, we'll get back to you. We'll get back." You know, I was just. And after a while, I think they disappeared. I mean, I wow. think you know, wow. you went to their website. And you got the 404 message, <laughs> you know, saying website gone or something like that. So, you know, it's you really got to be careful. So I think doing it yourself is probably the safest way um, on social media. Just start building up your people, your followers on Twitter and on Facebook. And, you know, maybe you catch a break. 
What sort of music inspires you to write? What kind of music? Oh, well, all the stuff I grew up with. You know, uh, the Beatles, Elton John, Led Zeppelin, um, the singer-songwriters of the 70s, you know, Jim Croce, uh, James Taylor, um, Harry Chapin, a lot of those guys, Cat Stevens. And just, you know, the bands that were around. Heart was one of my favorite bands in the 70s. I think, you know, Ann Wilson is a phenomenal singer. To me, she's probably the best female rock singer of all time. And usually what happens is all of this music that I listen to just kind of goes into the the brain blender. And when I sit down to write something, all of that kind of comes through. But I'll try to, you know, I don't want to copy anybody. So, you know, I'll try to write a original original track, original tune. Sometimes I get lyrics um, on my own, and then I'll take the lyrics to the piano and see if I can write a melody to it. Um, then it's just like putting a puzzle together. I got this piece, I got this piece, let's see if I can connect this up, and oh, I need something to, to do here, I need a bit in here, and, and just... Then once you put it together, you kind of listen to it and say, well, does that work? Does that sound like one song, one, you know, song with continuity, or does it sound like three little bits of a song that I just sort of strung together? Um, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you find yourself being you your, own yourself worst being critic? your own worst critic? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, I tend to go over it and over it and over it and... Um, there gets to be a point where you just have to say, okay, <laughs> I'm happy enough with this recording. It's usually not in the writing. It's usually in the recording that I get like that. You know, uh, I should have sung that note differently, or uh, I should have played that differently, or I don't like that effect or something. You know, I get real nitpicky that way. But uh, at the end of the day, you just have to – it's nice to work with somebody else you know, if you can when you're doing that, because then they can be the sort of, it's fine, leave it alone, let's move on to the next thing. Otherwise do you find yourself, do you find do you, yourself do you, as an artist as and an artist, producer, do you find yourself, I know this is an off-the-left type question, but sometimes artists-producers find themselves a little bit difficult to be produced by other people or take corrective criticism, do you find yourself easy to work with? Um, actually, yes, because I haven't worked with that many producers. And when I hooked up with Stuart Epps, who is a legendary producer, it was really easy because I was kind of enamored by the guy for all the people he's worked with over the years. So when he made suggestions about the songs that I sent him, I was like, yeah, okay, that great. Wow, wonderful. <laughs> Let's do that. <laughs> you know, and it was it was really cool because I just trusted him uh, so much and he knew exactly where my music was coming from. You know, he, he having worked with Elton John for so many years. And so he's like, well, you know, let's take it a little bit over here and 
make it like that Elton John song. And I was like, yeah, okay, right, that's cool. So that was, that was real easy. I don't know, if, if I worked with somebody else, maybe I would have been more difficult. But with him, it was a pleasure. <laughs> and that's a fair that's a fair answer because when you have respect for somebody's ability it does make it a lot easier um to work with them opposed to somebody that's struggling just like you are. Not to say that they're not as talented or even more so, but it it's uh, I guess our own little personal thing makes us not so receptive. Yeah, exactly. If if you if the person that you're working with is you put them up high. You know, then you're kind of looking up to them, and you know, generally they're not going to do something that uh, you're not going to like or that you think is is lousy, because they know what they're doing. They've been doing it for many, many years, and in, all the suggestions that he ever had were great. You know, he said, "Oh, let's add a little background vocal here. Let's add a little organ sound here, and let's fill it out over there." And I was like, "Yeah, wow, that's great." <laughs> but if I was working with somebody, you know, that was one up here at my level, you're right. It might have been a little different. I might have had more arguments or something. Mm-hmm. Well, Douglas, we got we got one of your songs queued up all the way on love. So let's let our let's let our <laughs> listeners put their ears on this. Okay. All the way on love, everybody. Douglas Coleman, and we'll be right back.
Your girl, Miss Dramaganza? Mm-hmm, check. Lip gloss? Check. Mascara? Check. I am Indy with the homie K. Biddy? Check, check. You listening to Blog Talk Radio, baby, and I love you for it. Mwah. Yeah, we're back with our guest, Mr. Douglas Coleman. I'm sorry. <clears throat> Almost choked there. So what was your what 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 inspired you to write that, Douglas? Um, that one was one of those that just came along by accident. I was driving and the phrase all the way on love just popped into my head out of nowhere. And I remember after I got it, I called a friend of mine and I said, is that been used? Is that, it just sounds like that, that's already been used. Somebody's used that. And we Googled it, and it didn't come up on anything. And I said, okay, all the way on love, that's good. And then the idea was that if you're going to get into love with somebody, that you've got to go in 100%. You can't do it, you know, you can't just do it halfway, as the lyrics say. You know, people kind of, oh, yeah, I love you, baby, I love you, but they, they don't really mean it. And when you go so into true. a relationship, <laughs> when you go into a relationship with somebody, you've got you to gotta give, uh, you know, and you've got to not be thinking about yourself. Uh, and, you know, you, you sacrifice for that person. So it's, then I just took like all these different examples of things that people could do just sort of halfway, you know. Um, so whatever you do, you got to give it a hundred percent. That's kind of the message with that song. That, that, um, that's like that, that's like a woman cooking dinner for you that's pissed off at you that you don't really want to cook, so your meal end up being like some halfway mess, huh? <laughs> hey, raw chicken and <laughs> yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> so, how many instruments do you play, Douglas? Well, on that one, I'm playing the piano and the keep all the keyboards are, are me and singing. Uh, the guitar and the drums are done by Johnny Martyr, who was in a band in the '70s called Voyager. I don't know if you remember that band. Actually, they were kind of a. You do? Oh, okay. Yeah. They had a one-hit wonder of a song called "Halfway Hotel," uh, which I don't know how high up on the charts it got, but uh, I do remember the song, and it's got a weird video that goes with it. So he's doing the drums and the guitar work. He's a phenomenal guitar player uh, and drummer. And then Stuart Epps, the guy I was telling you about, he's doing some backing vocals on that. And he produced it. He put it all together. So so how old were you, Douglas? How old were you when you started playing music? Oh, God. Um, my mother tells me I started playing piano about three years old and just kind of kept going on. She said you'd hear songs on the radio and you would go to the piano and, like, find the melody just with one finger you know, little bits of melodies and stuff. So I, I was doing that as a little kid, and then as I got into my teenage years, I started to uh, use more than one finger, finally made chords and could figure out how to use both hands on the piano. Um, 
I started doing it seriously when I was about 18 and uh, <clears throat> went to New York, hooked up with a band, was playing in little clubs in, around New York City, and doing it the old-fashioned way, you know, mailing out cassette demos to record labels and performing live with no no track, no uh, backing track, no pads, nothing, just the four of us with instruments and voices. And uh, did that for a couple of years. Then life changed around for me, and that's when I took the detour and ended up getting a job and working for 20 years and music kind of went on hold. Nah, that was a bummer. Yeah, yes and no, because now it's I can go back to it uh, even though I'm a lot older and maybe past my prime. Um, it taught me a lot, you know, working. And then, you know, you need money too, <laughs> unfortunately. But you got to have some money, so... It's That's uh, amazing how people how, how people want to people forget that. I mean, you know, they they forget that we live in a country where without that, you pretty much always stuck on survival mode. So it's a little bit more difficult to realize your goals, even if your goals are positive, even if your mission is positive. It, it, it's it's kind of hard to bring any of that into fruition without any money in this country. Well, it's very true. And I don't buy that uh, that crap about, you know, the starving artist. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. I think that if an artist is constantly worrying about where he's going to get the rent money from, he won't be he won't be able to tap that creative side. You know, you got to be comfortable. You can write the, Hey, look, you can write the hell out of some blues songs. Well, okay, all right, maybe some blues you could do. <laughs> yeah, you do some blues, because that's what you're living with. That's your reality. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But for me, I guess personally, that never worked for me. Um, I needed to be kind of in a clear space, a comfortable space, not worrying, you know, that the uh, the rent was due or I had no food in the refrigerator or something. I needed to be a little comfortable and then... I could I could get to that creative place, but uh, yeah, the blues definitely came out of hard times. So no, I, I guess I, I whatever. Yeah, whatever works for you. Well, they both do for different people at different times. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, um, I know when you're not on a survival mode, you really can touch into your creative side because the world is beautiful. You know, you really can smell the roses and everything else, you know, because you can function and operate a little bit different. You're on a whole different plane. You're not pressured. You're not stressed, you know. Right. But then when you like that working, starving artist, man, trying to make ends meet, it's, it's kind of hard to put your head in a different place and, and, and write. And I guess you can be creative and you can totally I guess that's the epitome of being creative because that's exactly what you're doing you know your circumstances may dictate or depict one thing but you're able to take your mind and your talent and go somewhere else yeah that's true that's true 
And sometimes, you know, in, in a crazy situation, I, I'll, songs will just kind of come at me. So that's happened once in a while. You know, one of those days like the car breaks down and you're stuck somewhere and then you get a phone call from somebody who you haven't heard from in a hundred years and, you know, just like all this stuff all happens at once and you, your brain kind of goes into overload. And at, at that sort of point, sometimes for me, all of a sudden a song will come out of that, out of that madness of swirling fog in my head. This clear song will come out, you know. That's happened a, a couple of times. But that's kind of an unconscious writing uh, of a song. If I just sit down and say, okay, today I'm going to write a song, you know, my mind needs to be clear <laughs> of all of that. Hey, that. That doesn't really work for me either, because now, you, now you're sitting there with these these great expectations of that you'll get this big slap aside the head with all these great words and things. Well, yeah, sometimes you, if you set out to write a song intentionally, nothing comes. And you're just uh, sitting there waiting. Brain. Yeah, you go brain yeah. dead. You go brain dead, right? Writer's block, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So there's there's so, no real so, formula. You know, it's just kind of whatever works for you. True. So, so Douglas, at what point did um, you, you realize that you just want to do the music and entertainment stuff and kind of step away from the corporate thing? Well... I've always wanted to do this. You know, it I think it was just in me that that's really what I should have been doing. Um circumstances in life took me on a different direction, on a different road. But I kind of knew in the back of my mind that, you know, someday if I get there that I wanted to come back to it. And thankfully I did. But like we were talking about at the beginning of the show, the whole scene's changed. <laughs> so in a way, it's just like starting over again. You know, I, I'm not really picking up where I left off. I'm kind of starting all over in this whole new techno, techno market, technology market, digital market. Um, but I'm glad I'm back because, you know, it, it, it makes me happy. It makes me feel like you belong. You know, I never felt like when I went to work and and the people at work, not you know, they were nice people and everything, and no no complaints, but that wasn't me. You know, I was putting on a a mask to go in there. When I when I work with musicians and I work with creative people and actors and filmmakers, those are those are my people if you will. You know, those are the people that I can relate to, I can have a good conversation with, and it's not forced, you know, it just, there's a bond there, and so I'm sort of glad, I'm just glad to be back. Mm. I understand, I mean, I understand totally, because I'm the same way when I'm on set, or I'm in a creative zone, you know, it seems like I I block out, everything else kind of goes away, and before you know it, you know, you're just kind of like in a happy space, and doing what you love to do unconsciously really Douglas I don't hear you breathing 
I'm here. No, I just I lost you for a second there. It, it, you kind of cut out. Oh, okay. I'm here. Well, we're talking about technology. I guess that's one of the things uh, that that does happen with this stuff. I'm so glappy, so glappy. I'm so happy that uh, I'm complete and I learn how to work this stuff and. I guess when I work on a computer or have to redo a computer or something, it's therapeutic for me because then I can focus yeah, I on that and not think about nothing else. You know, I like tinkering with stuff. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And and I love to learn some new Windows trick or, oh, you go in this way and you click on that and click on that and then this happens and, you know, you fix a file or you, you figure out how to – move something around, and, yeah, I love that. That's yeah, kind of, I, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a great feeling of, uh, of accomplishment. It's almost like being a cook and you just prepared a good meal, you know. <laughs> you just feel you feel a sense of satisfaction that you made something work. Douglas, we got another song here queued up for you. Uh, I think it's okay. Give Me Something. Give Me Something. Is that the title? Give Something. Give, give Something to Me. Yeah. Okay, well, this is your song, so I know your title, but sometimes <laughs> sometimes my, my eyes get crossed and, you know, I write stuff backwards. So I just want to make sure we have the, the title correct for you. Douglas Coleman, y'all, put your ears on this one.
Okay, Douglas, tell us a little bit about that song. What was the inspiration for that? That one was kind of the follow-up to All the Way on Love, <clears throat> where when we were talking about that and he said, well, you've got to go in 100%, you've got to give, you've got to, you know, you got to sacrifice to, to make the relationship work. That song is about what happens when the other person doesn't do that. And, you know, you, you're in this relationship, you're giving and you're giving, and then they give you nothing back. So that's the idea with this one. It's like, well, give something back. Give something to me. And the line about a two-way street, the sign was wrong, Meaning, you know, that kind of is a twist on people talk about it's a give and take. Love is a give and take. So it's supposed to be a two-way street. Well, the sign was wrong in this case because I was going one way and I got nothing. <laughs> nothing was coming hey, the other way. Did nobody break your heart out there nowhere, did they, Douglas? Well, you know, that's it's, yeah, it's a hard song. <laughs> hey, you know, I was like, I was trying not to ask that question. Nah, that's all right. Yeah, sure. I mean, we've <clears throat> all had our hearts broken at one point or another. Um, and that was just a, you know, a relationship that uh, didn't go anywhere. Didn't go anywhere. I, well, tell us, how did, how did you end up in Thailand? Oh, that's a long story. Um, I guess the, the short of it is that I was going to come here on vacation with a friend of mine and at the last minute she canceled out I had booked the ticket and my hotel and I'd taken all the time from work already put in the time to take off and then at the last minute she said oh I can't go my aunt died or something like that and I said well damn um, you know it was like a week before we were supposed to go so I said, well, all right, fine. I'm going to go by myself because I was really looking forward to it, and I'm just going to go. So I went and just kind of fell in love with the place. I mean, it's so different. It's hard to explain to people what, what it is about the place, but it's it's just so completely different than the United States. And the people here, it's a very kind of, tight society you know for us we're like the big melting pot we've got people from all over the world every every country every religion every race all living together in peace or trying to um we're in thailand it's just like one one race one religion of people and this is their culture this is the way it's been for thousands of years and it, it, they're solid you know what I mean? They got their feet on the ground, and um, this is the way things are here. They're also very, very polite. They're very docile kind of people. They don't, they're not aggressive and real about self, self, self. They're all about the collective group. They're big on their families. Most of the families here that I've met, you know, they have three generations living there. The grandma still lives there with the kids and the grandkids. And I mean, America used to be like that back in the, you know, the 20s, the 30s maybe. But it's still kind of like that here. 
and it's it's just sort of charming, uh, steeped in tradition, steeped in culture, and I think I just sort of it was so different that I thought, well, you know what, this would be a great place to be to write, because all of this stuff going on around me that I just don't really understand, I can tune it out, and it puts me in that place. Uh, the creative space much easier than because you've got a different language going on, different everything going on here. You know, at home, no matter how I how hard I try to tune out, if you put the TV on, the news is on. I it you pick up on it right away because it's in English, right. and all the stuff that's going on around you, you you get it. You know what it is. Here, I look at stuff and go, what the. <laughs> you just have like no idea what that's about, and so it's easy to kind of distract your mind to to go somewhere else. And I wrote more songs being over here um, in the last ten years than I wrote in twenty when I was working in in Boston. Well, just don't so just really don't blame. Well, just don't blame it on the tie stick. <laughs> no. Those days are over for me. I I used to be into that, but uh, not anymore. Well, that was back in the seventies and the eighties, huh? Oh, yeah. that was back in the seventies when you know my favorite thing to do would be to come home from high school and smoke a bit and lay on the floor with the headphones on and listen to music for hours. You know. When I, was in college, that, <laughs> when I was in college, that's how I learned about Thailand. Yeah, it's it, that's not a big deal over here. I mean, people don't really do that too much. The laws are really strict um, about drugs. And yeah, uh, I, I don't imagine. feel like spending any time in a Thai prison. Uh, I'll keep my nose clean on that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would not be a good thing, would it? No, Thank Douglas. No, I think no. we have uh, one more song of yours here. Um, we said okay. to them. Is that the title? We said to them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, tell us about this one before we play it. Uh, let me see. We said to them. I guess this one is just about love that uh, people don't understand. You know, people will say to you stuff like, how can you be hooked up with that person? You know, like, I'll give you an example. You're with your buddies. You're with your, your male buddies. And you say, oh, I want you to meet my new girlfriend or something like that. And you bring her in, and they all laugh at you. <laughs> you know, they all laugh at you saying, what are you doing going out with that? You know, what's wrong with you? You can't see that she's a blah, 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 whatever, right? So this song is kind of like that. Saying, guilty. You know, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. <laughs> this song is kind of like saying, you know, we said to them, it just doesn't matter. I love you. I don't care what they think. So that's kind of what this song is about. Right then, we're gonna put our ears on that. Cause see, I got friends, man. They keep dating the same type chicks, and the only thing changes the name, you know, their body type, attitude, <laughs> all that. They'll be the same, you know. And I'm like, damn, there you go again. 
same shit, just a different name. Yeah, some people are <laughs> hopeless, you know. They got one type that they're attracted to, and they can't help themselves. You know? Slap me, slap me, slap me, slap me again. <laughs> <laughs>
Yo, Douglas, Douglas. Hey. Yes. Where do you do your recording at? I heard a lot of different instruments in there. Well, that's kind of a comp uh, compilation, I guess. I do my basic tracks in my studio and send them to Stuart, and then he does uh, his bits and then sends it to Johnny, and then it comes back to Stuart. It's all done online. So it was recorded in Thailand and in London. <laughs> that's that's where that song was recorded. Now, see, if you wasn't computer-lit and you wasn't up on your technology, that wouldn't be possible. No, that's very true. I guess, I guess you could send a two-inch back in that day. I guess they, they that's how they did it, I guess. I guess they just sent the whole tape, right? Uh. Yeah, I guess you could do it that way. That would be hard, though. No, no, no. I'm not. I'm not talking but, about now. I'm not talking about now. I'm talking about before. You know, technology where all we got to do now is just send a file. But be, before oh, the internet, before the internet, how did they do it? Didn't they? Did we just send the tape? I'm th- I'm talking about early on. I know it was like we did the master, and then we got to the a dats, and then the dats, and then. Um, right. You know, and then and then the CD, you know, came. You know, and that was after the cassette. You know. Um, yeah, I guess you could do it. I guess you could, you know, record on uh, two-inch analog tape, and if you had an eight-track machine, Ampex or something, do your basic tracks and send it to somebody else who has the same machine. And right. They could add but I mean, I mean, before the, before the yeah. internet, that's how it was done, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah. And then you just had to mail the thing. Yeah. You know, that big old I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, now, I mean, like I said, you can just, just email, I mean, just uh, a Dropbox, the file, or whatever you use. But right. uh, it, it's just in change. So the technology really got is an, is an advantage to those that know how to use it. And I guess it's it's not to those that don't. But, Douglas, we're down to the last couple of minutes of the show, and I want to give you this opportunity in this time so we can tell all our listeners how they can get in contact with you, where they can go get your music, how they can tune into your show, which uh, I know for sure Douglas has a great, great, great show. I happen to be the guest on uh, his show one day, and I enjoyed myself there. And I want to thank you, too, for coming over here and uh, hanging out with us. Oh, it was my pleasure. Uh, you can find everything that you want to know about Douglas Coleman at douglascolemanmusic.com, and it's got links to all my music. The uh, The link to the radio show is there, too. If you want to go direct to the radio show, just go douglascolemanmusic.com forward slash DCS, Douglas Coleman Show, and everything is, is there, all the links to everything. You can just kind of click around and explore. The show is on Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern. Um, it's on Spreaker, and then it archives to YouTube and TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, uh, PRX, and a couple of others. So join us. We have guests, exciting guests every week. Fantastic, fantastic, Douglas. And I want to thank you again, and for all our listeners that join us a little late, the show will be uh, ready to be heard from the beginning in a couple minutes, so please feel free to pull up the show and catch from the beginning if you miss something. And I'm sure something here that can help 
you and your career or somebody that you love. And I want to say on behalf of everybody, World Movement Enterprise, thank you. We really appreciate you. Come back and join us next week because we know you could be somewhere else doing something else. And thank you again, Mr. Coleman. We enjoyed you and continue on with your fantastic career. Thank you, Lamont. Thank you for having me on the show. It was nice talking to you. Same here, my friend.